morning, church. Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to this time of worship together at Faith Community United Methodist Church. It's good to be with you this morning. I'd uh, invite you to find the attendance pads that are in each of the pews. Be sure to fill those out and pass them along to those seated with you so that we have a record of your presence here with us today. Today is Coins for Mission Sunday, so I'm going to ask the kids uh, if they would come up here and help us collect the coins. We have these blue buckets, and uh, their kids are going to bring them around, so you can get your coins out now, and we collect these coins the second Sunday of each month to uh, support a number of mission projects. There you go. There you go. And there you go. They're going to come around and just drop your coins in. Uh, it, as it mentions in the bulletin, these coins uh, support the Bridges of Hope, the Fish Food Pantry, and the Wings of the Morning. So thank you for uh, helping us to support those missions through your coins each month. And uh, if, if you've kind of gotten out of the habit of this because we haven't been able to pass around the buckets lately, hopefully this will remind you now to be saving up your coins throughout the month and bring them on the second Sunday of each month uh, to place in the buckets. Next Sunday is Father's Day, and that means that uh, today is the last day to order your Father's Day carnations. There is the, uh, the order forms in the box out in the narthex, and uh, just fill that form out, place it in a sealed envelope along with your uh, $1.50 for each carnation, and uh, put that sealed envelope in the, in the box out there, and uh, we will have those uh, next Sunday, and it'll be listed in the bulletin who those carnations are in memory of or in honor of. This evening at 5 o'clock is our family game night. I hope that you will all join us for that. The, the family game night is for all of our church family, whether you have kids and grandkids or, or not. Everybody is, is welcome, and I hope you will join us for that. Thank you. And we, uh, we will also be celebrating Ben and Jennifer Webster. Uh, they have... Uh, been serving uh, in leading our contemporary worship service uh, for about eight months now, and Ben is moving on to become uh, the pastor of St. Paul United Methodist Church in uh, Dayton, and he will be uh, beginning that in two weeks, and so next week is his last week with us. So we're going to celebrate their ministry with us this evening at our family game night. I uh, hope that you will join us for that and, and thank them for the ways that they've been ministering here with us, and, and pray God's blessing on them as they continue on in ministry to St. Paul's. Thank you. We've got a lot of coins here. That is wonderful. Uh, you have uh, done one. You, you obviously have not forgotten to bring your coins on the second Sunday of the month, so that, that is wonderful. I thank you for that. Let's, let's pray a blessing on, on these gifts. Lord, thank you for these, these coins, this, this money uh, that has been given through these people here, and thank you for the ways that you are going to use it, Lord to minister, to bring the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. May it meet physical needs. May it also meet spiritual needs, that people will know your love and your grace through the ministries of this church and this community. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And I invite you now to stand as you are able and join in our call to worship. And your call to worship is printed in your bulletin. God alone is our refuge and hope, our shelter and protection. From our very first breath to our last, God's love and compassion never fails. So come, lift your voices in praise to God. 
bear witness to God's acts of mercy and love, proclaim God's glory to all who will listen. Let's, Let's worship, worship God, God together. together. And your opening hymn is in the hymnal, page 73, O Worship the King. and join in together in our opening prayer again printed in your bulletins. O oh God, God, you are our God, the one in whom we trust. We've gathered together today to worship you, to open our hearts and minds to your presence. We long to meet you here and to hear your voice. We come with confidence because we've met you here before. 
We've been awed and inspired by your glory and your power. We come with gratitude because we've known your steadfast love, a love which is better than life itself. And so we praise you, lifting our voices, lifting our hands in joy and expectation. Come among us in your power. Pour out your spirit on our thirsty souls that we may be filled with your goodness and love. Amen. Amen. Our prayer hymn is in the hymnals number 130, God Will Take Care of You. And let us sing this together as we prepare our hearts for prayer.
Lord God, we know that is the truth. We know that is your promise. We know that you are loving and powerful to deliver on your word, Lord. And you have promised to take care of us through all of our needs, Lord. But how often we do forget that. How much we do wrestle and struggle, feeling that we need to figure things out for ourselves, feeling that we need to be the ones in control. Lord, forgive us for trying to take your place. Forgive us and restore us. Refresh us with that knowledge that you are the one in control. You are the one that we can depend on in every way. And so may we see your hand at work in our lives and in the lives of our loved ones as we lift up to you our needs, our cares, our concerns, trusting in your goodness and in your powerful grace. Lord, for those who are weighing heavy on our hearts now, we pray for your special intervention for whatever they may need. We pray that we will see the glory of your will done in their lives and in our own. Continue to pour out your Holy Spirit on us. Continue to work through us to share the good news of your grace in Jesus Christ to all who will hear. We pray this in his precious and holy name as we offer to you now the prayer that he teaches us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We continue to worship now with the giving of our tithes and offerings. I invite the ushers to come forward to receive the plates.
Please join me in the prayer of dedication. Lord Jesus, with gratitude for our belonging to your community of love, we bring these gifts and dedicate ourselves to your mission. Use them according to your will and wisdom, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The scripture lesson for today, which also is printed in your bulletin, is taken from Judges chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Once Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw a Philistine woman. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among your kin? or among all our people, that you must go to take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, because she pleases me. His father and mother did not know that this was from the Lord, for he was seeking a pretext to act against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Amen. Amen. Samson was not a perfect man. That is perhaps a tremendous understatement. Samson was not even close to being a perfect man. I don't think you could even say really that he was a good man. He was a troublemaker, a man of mischief, a man who did what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it with no thought or concern as to the consequences of his actions. He was, to use an old-fashioned term, a rapscallion. That's a good word for him, rapscallion. But, but he was God's rapscallion. Samson was a troublemaker for God. Consider the scripture that we just heard read. As soon as Samson was old enough to date and marry, he showed that he was not going to be your conventional man of God. He saw a Philistine woman to whom he took a liking, and he told his parents, Get her for me. Now, I don't know how many of you here who are parents have ever had your children make demands of you. I'm sure that you never had a child make a demand of you as presumptuous as this one. Get me that Philistine woman. The trouble with this demand, though, is not just its presumptuousness. It's what he is demanding. A wife from the people who are the sworn enemies of Israel. We just heard last week that 
Samson, when he was born, an angel of the Lord told his mother that, that it is he who shall begin to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. And now here he is, a full-grown adult, ready to embark on his mission in life. And rather than begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines, he wants to marry one of them. The Philistines were people who lived in Palestine prior to the arrival of the Hebrew people. God had promised the land to the descendants of Abraham, but when the descendants of Abraham returned after hundreds of years in Egypt and 40 years in the wilderness, they did not find the land empty and waiting for them to move in. There were other nations that had been living there all along. The most dominant of those nations was the Philistines. And you can bet that when the Hebrew people showed up and said, this is our land, God gave it to our ancestor Abraham centuries ago, and he promised it to us, and now he's giving it into our hands, you can bet the Philistines did not say, oh, okay, sounds good. The Philistines didn't pack up and leave. They fought to defend what they considered to be their land. Now, God had warned the Israelites when they moved into the promised land. He had warned them not to leave any of the previous inhabitants there. The book of Joshua details the conquest of the land, and it is a bloody, gruesome book. But as bloody and gruesome as it is, the fact remains that Israel did not, in fact, wipe away all the previous nations. Some of them they tried to avoid. Some of them they tried to live side by side. And what happened because of that is exactly what God said would happen because of that. They started living like the other nations around them. They started worshiping other gods. They started doing things that God had strictly prohibited them from doing. And they were constantly at war because of it. God was not going to allow them to live in peace in the land when they weren't following his holy law. God didn't want them mixing with these other nations. Now, this was not about racial purity or ethnic prejudice. It was a matter of religious identity. Their faith in the one true God was not yet strong enough for them to live faithfully among people of such divergent and idolatrous beliefs without joining in. And so they did. They did give in. They did join the crowd. And God had to deliver them time and time again. And now, here comes the next great deliverer, the next great judge who will begin to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines, and what does he do? He demands to marry a Philistine. So much for that plan. Ah, but not so fast. Maybe God's plan wasn't thwarted in this at all. Maybe God was actually using Samson's mischievous nature to accomplish exactly what he had planned. That's what Judges 14, verse 4 tells us. His father and mother did not know that this was from the Lord, for he was seeking a pretext to act against the Philistines. Samson's parents didn't know it. How could they know it? But God was already planning to use Samson's troublemaking nature to make trouble on the Philistines. And he was going to use Samson's marriage to Philistine women to do it. Now, that whole idea might 
sound rather shocking. After all, we were told in chapter 13 that Samson was to be a Nazarite from the day of his birth to the day of his death. We saw last week that to be a Nazarite means to be consecrated, to be set apart as holy to the Lord, to, see, to be set apart as holy to the Lord. We, we tend to think of that in moral terms. When we say someone is consecrated or holy, we think of them as being exceptionally righteous, adhering to all of the laws and regulations, keeping themselves separated from evil people and evil ways, living a life of purity. That is not Samson. Samson was not a perfect man. He was a rapscallion who who engaged in all kinds of immoral behavior. Far from remaining separated from the other nations, Samson married Philistine women. So in what sense was he holy? Well, there are times in the Old Testament that holiness was made manifest not in ethical qualities, but in spiritual and physical forms. Holy people were people who were in some manner under the power of the Holy Spirit. They had special gifts and special powers that that came to them from God because they were assigned to a particular task by God. In Samson's case, his holiness was made manifest in his immense physical strength. Now, some of the things that Samson did with that unnatural strength was not necessarily godly, but God's plan worked through him nonetheless. Samson may very well have been a rapscallion, but he was God's rapscallion. He may very well have been a troublemaker, but God had some trouble that needed to be made. And Samson was just the man to do it. God used Samson, even his flaws and his failings as a man, to accomplish his plan of delivering Israel from the Philistines. Chapters 14 and 15 of Judges tell some mischievous but also disturbing stories of how Samson made trouble on the Philistines. Samson and his parents went down to Timnah to seek out this woman that Samson demanded that they get for him. I mean, wouldn't all you parents do the same for your spoiled son? And on their way there, a young lion roared at Samson, Samson used his superhuman strength given to him by the Spirit of the Lord to tear the lion apart barehanded. After continuing to Timnah, finding the woman he was after, settling on the marriage arrangements, Samson and his parents returned home. And then sometime later, they went back to Timnah for the wedding. Along the way, Samson saw the carcass of the lion that he had torn apart. A swarm of bees was living in the carcass. And Samson took some of the honey that the bees had made there in the, in the carcass, and, and he ate it. He gave some to his parents, but he didn't tell them where it came from. At the wedding feast, Samson decided to use this honey from the lion as an occasion for a, a riddle. He, he told the people gathered at the wedding celebration, all of them Philistines, mind you, that if they could solve this riddle by the end of the seven-day wedding feast, he would pay them in many fancy garments, But if they couldn't solve it in the seven days, then they would have to pay him in many fancy garments. The riddle he put to them was this. Out of the eater comes something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Now, there's no way this is a fair challenge. 
No one, including Samson's parents, knew anything about what he had done to the lion or how the bees had moved in and produced honey there. It wasn't possible for them to solve this riddle, and he knew it. And sure enough, for three days, they had no idea. They went to his new wife. They asked her to find out the answer. In fact, they they didn't ask her. They demanded, they threatened, find out the answer or we will burn you in your father's house with fire. They were not about to let this Jew make fools of them and impoverish them in their own town. The wife of Samson goes and begs him to tell her the answer of the riddle. I mean, she is, after all, his wife now. She should be able to confide anything in her. Samson refuses, saying that he hasn't even told his own parents. He's not about to tell her. But, you know, newlywed women have this way of being persuasive. She began to weep, and she wept and nagged for the next four days. When you're still in your first week of marriage, the last thing you want is for your wife to weep and nag for four days straight. So finally, on the seventh day, Samson broke down and told his wife the answer to the riddle. She went right out and told her people. They went to Samson with the answer to the riddle just before time ran out. In his anger over being bested like this, Samson went down to Ashkelon, which is another Philistine town, and he killed 30 men, taking from them what he needed to pay the lost wager to the people of Timnah. Then he abandoned his new wife and went back home without her. Samson was not a perfect man is the understatement of all understatements. He was not even a good man. He made an unfair wager... And when the people he was trying to defraud bested him, he went out and killed and plundered to pay his lost bet, and then he abandoned his new bride. And it doesn't get better from there. It doesn't get better from there. In fact, it gets worse. It gets a lot worse. Samson, in his anger, burned down fields and vineyards. He killed all the men of Timnah for retribution for his wife that he had abandoned, and then When other Philistines came after him, he killed a thousand of them using the jawbone of a donkey. There's another story in which he's using the services of a woman engaged in what's called the world's oldest profession. All of which causes one to ask, this is God's man? Really? Are we sure about that? Are are these the actions of a Nazarite, someone consecrated to God? Here's where we need to draw a careful distinction. Samson was set apart to accomplish God's purposes, but he was not a godly man. Samson is no hero. He he is not someone to emulate, someone to look up to. I don't think he had brothers and sisters, but even if he did, I, I can guarantee you that his parents never said to his siblings, why can't you be more like Samson? Never. No, don't be like Samson. He is not the model of faithful behavior, not in the least. And yet, God used him. God chose to work his divine purposes through this vain, violent, spoiled, sin-filled man. It was God's intention that the Hebrews should be separated out from the nations around them. 
It was God's promise that the Hebrews would be the inheritors of that land. The Philistines had set themselves against God's people. They had set themselves against God's ways. They worshiped false gods. They degraded God's law. They stood in the way of the fulfillment of God's promise. They had to be dealt with. It was God's desire to deliver the people of Israel from the hand of the Philistines. And what God had to work with in accomplishing that divine plan is simple people. God works through imperfect, sinful people because imperfect, sinful people are all God has to work with. And make no mistake, that includes you and me. I hope that that no one here has sunk to the same depths as Samson when it comes to moral failure. And it's not just that Samson was vain and violent and and spoiled. He was a cheat. He was a murderer, a thief, sexually immoral. No matter what mistakes you've made or what sins you've committed, you couldn't possibly be worse than Samson. But you're still a sinner. You're still a sinner. Every one of us has moral failures, character flaws. But if God could use Samson for his purposes then surely God can use you too. No matter what your failures and flaws may be, sometimes God may even work through those failures and flaws like he did with Samson. Now let me be careful here. I'm not saying that your failures and flaws don't matter, that you needn't be working on those things. I'm not saying that, that sin is irrelevant in your faith, in your life, on the impact you have on the people around you. Sin has a terrible impact on you and on the people around you. You need to be praying about that. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to continue the work of sanctification in you. But don't think for a moment that you need to wait until you get all of that perfectly worked out before God can accomplish his plans through you. If the story of Samson shows us anything, it is that God is sovereign over all. God works his plan in ways that are baffling to us and through people that are troubling to us. Because sometimes God's plan is to stir up some trouble. Samson was God's troublemaker. He was not a godly man, not by any means, but he was God's man. He was not holy in his attitudes or in his actions, and yet he was set apart to God's purpose. And you are too. You are chosen, set apart for God's purpose. But be careful. Be careful. Samson's flaws and failings were still flaws and failings. Samson's sin was still sin. Though God would work through him, Samson would still suffer the consequences of his own unrighteousness. That's next week's lesson. I hope you'll come back for the end of Samson's story. 
Let us stand now as you're able and join in our closing hymn, which is number 519 in the hymnal, Lift Every Voice and Sing. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as the Darkness has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun, let us march on till victory is won. Stony the road we trod, bitter the chasing rod, felt in the days when hope unborn had died. Yet with a steady beat, have not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers sighed. have come over a way that with tears has been watered. We have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughtered. Out from the gloomy past till now we stand at last where the white gleam of our bright star is cast. God of our weary ears, God of our silent tears, Thou who hast brought us thus far on the way, Thou who hast by Thy might led us into us forever in the path we pray. Lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we met thee. Lest our hearts, drunk with the wine of the world, we forget. Shadow beneath thy hand, may we forever stand, true to our God, true to our name.
Go now in the grace of God Almighty as he continues to work his plan through you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.